Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the book of Sean. It's going to be an amazing show tonight, and here's why. All of us, no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, where we come from, light-skinned, dark-skinned, gay, straight, rich, poor, all of us have something that we're trying to accomplish and achieve. And we also have another side of us that keeps getting in the way. There's a side of us that dreams and is ready to go. It's full of ambition. It's ready to accomplish. And there's another side of us telling us, uh, what if it might not work? What if things go wrong? What if you're not good enough? What if people don't support you? You see, my guest tonight knows that journey. He knows it from the inside. He is not a spectator in that dilemma. He's a participant. But so am I. And so are you. We are all wrestling with it. Come on now. We're going to be real tonight. Peel down that mask and let's get real. We have all dealing with a side of us that keeps getting in the way. Welcome to the show tonight, my guest, Jeremy Irwin. <laughs> hey, Jeremy. I think you're still on mute. Take your mute off. No, I'm unmuted. There you go. What's up, Jeremy? All right. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's good. Everything is well. Thank you for being on. I'm excited to be able to let everybody have a sense of your journey, your heart, and some of the parts of you, as I said in my introduction, that keep getting in the way. And what, what excites me about this conversation is that there are so many people who can relate to what it is you've had to struggle with and deal with. Before we get to the anxiety or the worry and the fear, let's start with the dream. Um, what is your dream as it relates to young people? If, we, if I got it right, you have a particular dream that you would like to see happen. What is that? Yeah, um, I have a concert series that I have. Uh, it's called The Soul Spot. And me and my best friend created this series a couple of years ago. And, you know, over the years, I've just been trying to grow it to what I know it's going to be. It's just all the challenges that get in the way things that happen, funding not coming through, um, venues closing down, things just kind of get in the way of it growing, maybe at the pace that I want, but also to get to the vision that I see. And I believe that that, that series is uh, kind of just a centerpiece for a lot of other things to branch from. And so as I'm trying to grow that, I'm just trying not to get discouraged, to be in my own way, um, to kind of roll with the punches as they come, but not give up. So it's a lot of those, I think a lot of people, are, like you said before, have de dealt with these things where it's try not to get in your own way, try not to give up, but also staying true to what you think is going to be um, mm. the vision that you. Yeah, no. So, so that's, that's great. And that's good. It, it makes me want to ask you, how does this dream, this vision relate to your own personal story? Um, so I went to a performing arts college. I've been doing creative arts since, you know, I was in, well, I guess elementary school, really. Um, and for me, it's a community building uh, thing as well. It's not just about me creating a, a work of art or a show. It's about providing platforms for people that I know who are in need of it or others who just kind of want to get together as, you know, partakers in live music and build a community of people, whether that be the LGBTQ community, whether that be the singer, mm -hmm. musician community, just a wide range of people who come together for live events, but also the entertainers who need that space and the platform to present their art. And for, you know, for me, it gives me joy bringing all of those pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of think that I am a connector of people. And so to be able to bring different types of people into one space and then look out and see the whole thing come together, that's the part that gives me joy and knowing that everybody who's there is winning in some capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, all, it's, it's, it's amazing you, that you say that. And as soon as you begin to talk about where this ambition comes from, um, something sort of stood up in me. And, and so let, let me ask you this. Is there a part of you that's been wanting to have articulation, to speak, to be on stage, to be seen, and life keeps getting in the way? Because let me, let me tell you why I'm asking. Because I believe that dreams are always connected and ambitions are always connected to our story, right? And so, there's usually also a part of us that's being worked out in the thing we most want to do. You get what I'm saying? So is there a part of you that's being worked out in the thing that you most want to do? I'm just asking. Yeah, 
Yes, it's the yeah, short answer. Give me that. I, I, your face change. Give me that. Give me that. What well, is because that? It's like it's a it's an umbrella. Of, it's like a huge bowl of a lot of different things that I'm learning about myself and that I'm kind of working through with myself. Whether that's patience, um, not needing to be upfront all the time, um, delegation skills, leadership skills, um, trying to like make sure I'm rethinking everything to, to be sure that it's not. Uh, coming from a place of vanity and specifically for me, what I want, but is it serving? Is it serving a purpose, a greater purpose than my own uh, self-interest? Um, it's patience, tolerance, working with people, you know, not giving up when no happens and no comes, you know, so it's uh, working on a lot of different things, <laughs> mm. a lot. And when and when the no's come and they, and they slam the door in your face or when people dismiss your vision or in some cases dismiss you, don't see you, can't hear you. What happens in you when that transpires? You know, it, I have to say it kind of depends on the situation, but a lot of times it's um, the immediate um, question, like, is this even worth continuing to fight for? Um, is the vision that I have something that even works in today's time, in its format? Like, what am I doing wrong? What is it? What doesn't add up? What's not good enough? Am I not doing enough work? Mm. You know, because I think when I'm doing the work and when I'm seeing what I've put together, I think it's pretty great, you know? And I know it's, it's not without its keys and flaws, but I feel like some of the sometimes when I get responses, it makes me think, am I not seeing what they're seeing or are they not seeing what I know is coming yet? I, I don't, it's like a mix of feelings depending on the situation. I get frustrated, mm. annoyed, mm. scared. You know, and ready to just take a break, which happens a lot. Yeah, no, right that, <laughs> that right there is, is has been one of is one of the best answers that you that you've given me tonight, because that that was a very nuanced and textured answer, and part of the reason why I asked you how this vision connects to your story is because that's the only way you determine if it's worth the trouble of being disrespected and ignored and having doors slammed in your face to accomplish it. If it doesn't connect to you, who you are, what you've had to struggle through and overcome, man, you follow what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. the determining factor, not the victory, not the success, not the money, not the greatness, not the shine. And you're gonna get all that, I have no doubt about that. But what makes it worth it is does it give articulation to who you are, a side of you, a piece of what you're trying to manifest. That's why I asked you that question. So, so let, let, let's do this, because this is getting good. Um, tell me how the worry and the anxiety and sometimes the disappointment and frustration you just mentioned, how is that manifesting itself in your life outside of trying to make the vision happen? So is it manifesting in friendships, relationships, personal views? Yeah, so um, I find myself obviously leaning a lot towards a darker space sometimes, not full depression, I don't think, but it's some of those moments where I find myself doing things, you know, wanting to go out and party more, wanting to go out and just kind of be distracted more, find different distractions to take part in versus investing in this thing that continues to, you know, not show results. And um, so that could be either doing too much excessive drinking, maybe, um, hanging out, partying, versus, you know, maybe tapping in when I should. Mm. So I think it's looking for distractions to kind of take me out of my discouragement or take me out of my my realm of, like, failure, um, mm. this anxiety, trying being in my head. I think it takes me out of my mm. head. Is failure the fear for you? Uh, I think... Repeat the question just to make sure I hear, hear right. No problem. Is failure the fundamental fear for you? We all fear something. What's your What's your great fear? Um, I think it's so nuanced because I think failure to me has already happened like multiple times. So mm. I, I don't think that I'm so afraid of that. I think I'm afraid of having. I think I'm afraid of leaving the world before I do what I think I'm here to do, mm. um, and, and maybe fully accomplish the dreams that I'm actively trying to fulfill mm. and what what is that what are you here to do man so there's this man called um clarence avon i'm sure you probably know of him but i, I actually know him. know him 
even there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people like him, like Oprah, who who kind of use their gift to bring p- different types of people together and create opportunities for people that don't always help them or do benefit them, but it's something about being a connector, a link between people who need people and things. And so I feel like one of those things for me is to be, to have a big, big enough platform to be able to bring so many different people together to create life-changing opportunities for people, whether that's creatives and, and artists, um, developers, business people, whatever it is, I want to be that kind of conduit to bring all of these people, all of these people together um, in ways that can help each other and grow a community. I, it's a great vision, and it, I, th- I think it's a very noble um, and powerful thing to want to do. Here's the challenge, though. A part of the secret life of that work is that you cannot draw, you cannot bring people together that you can't draw, and you can't draw people in the ways that you want to draw them until you have a unified self until you are emitting, manifesting, and putting out into the world something that other people will be attracted to. Because here's the thing, you're a good-looking guy, so people are gonna be attracted to your stature and your, your face and your beard that I'm jealous of. <laughs> but, but it's the spirit, it's the heart, it's the self-confidence, it's the ability to enter into a space and a room and to exude something that draws people to you. That's what Clarence has in, in, a very, in a very different way than what Oprah has, in a very different way than what Obama has, but they all have that, right? What we're here to do tonight is to make sure that you accomplish that, not just in terms of money and events, but you accomplish that in terms of spirit and soul. Because before you can have it in a room, you got to have it in your heart. So what is the thing that's been consistent in your story and your journey that keeps getting in the way, the feeling that keeps getting in the way of you having that unified self? Um, I think um, it's this obsession with perfection, you know? Mm. Um, it's wanting it to be perceived the way that I envision it. You know, no flaws, no peace, Okay, stop, no- stop, stop, stop. We're going to do some work. This is good. I'm not being rude. You just, I'm, I'm okay. just working. Okay, so tell me, when and how did you learn that perfection was the standard for you? When I started not doing things because the pieces that I thought would make it perfect weren't in play, weren't available. You know, and so I would just not do a whole event because... Okay, stop, stop, stop. I'm I'm not being rude. I'm just pushing. So are you going to tell me, are you telling me, rather, that in high school, you didn't feel you had to be perfect? In grade school, you didn't feel you had to be perfect? Around certain family members? uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, Just, just pick one of those experiences and tell me about it. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, in high school, it does kind of center around events, though, which is interesting. Um, but I had this, I put this event together, and it was a gospel-like outdoor event, uh, concert, and I go to a mega church. I sing in the choir. There's like 100,000 people that I could easily, like, you know, invite to anywhere and even show up. But because I didn't think that the things were coming together the right way, I didn't think it was going to be a good event. I didn't think the actual event was going to be great, so I didn't even tell my church, which would have all come and would have been a sold out, packed out place. And so since I didn't tell them, nobody really came. (laughs) So I ended up doing, and the show ended up being very, very good. So it was like the fact that I thought the show was going to be bad. I didn't invite the people that I wanted to impress and wanted to look perfect in front of. The show was perfect. There was no one to show the perfection to. And in that moment, I went back to church that Sunday and my pastor called me out. He was like, um, like in the choir room. He's like, uh, so I hear you had an event. You didn't tell us about it. Why wouldn't you tell us about it? You know, you, you come all the time. You know what you're doing. Why wouldn't you invite us? And it made me feel bad because he felt like I wasn't including them in a big moment, but I was just afraid of not appearing as perfect to them. Yeah. I'm deciding on how much to push. <laughs> because Let's go. I'm ready. Because... Yeah. No, the story speaks to what we're talking about, but on a certain level, it doesn't. Because what I'm interested in is who were you and what happened to you? What were your experiences 
before you ever came to the moment of deciding to invite or not invite people in the story you just told. And I'll put it a different way, and then we'll think about it over the break. Because, okay. and again, it has, it has nothing to do with the people who loved us first or knew us first. It's not an indictment of them. Our experiences are what they are. How we view our experiences are what they are. And I would bet all the money in my pocket against all the money in your pocket that somewhere earlier than that, you felt like you had to be a certain way, a certain thing, to present a certain way, a certain thing. And that, what used to be an asset, because it made you be strong and bold and, and, and eloquent, you know what I'm saying? And, and all, can become at a certain stage of your life a burden if at this stage of your life, it's not about how you present. It's not about how you manifest. It's about how you feel. And I think you might be in the stage of your life where you need to overcome how you present, how you manifest, and focus a lot more on the truth of the feeling because that's the thing that might be the thing that takes you to the next level. We'll discuss it right after the break. Just think about that, and you guys think about it too, okay? Think about it too because here's what I know for sure. The things that allowed us to survive and overcome and maybe even thrive early on may not be the things that we need to follow or hold on to at another stage of our lives. Those things served us well, and we should say thank you. But new things might serve us more. We'll talk about it after the break, right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So all of us are trying to work towards something. We're all trying to build something or make something happen in our, happen rather in our lives. The question is, how do we get there? And what needs to be the adjustments that we make in ourselves that make us worthy, ready, and acceptable for the very thing we're trying to build? Because a lot of people pray for something, but they don't make room for it. A lot of people want something, but they're not quite sure, what is it about me that I have to adjust to make this thing real and available? You follow me? I know you do, because we've all been there. <laughs> Jeremy, let, let's, let's, let's do this again, because I think that you know, one of the things I'm discovering in talking to you is, is how complicated, right, visions and <clears throat> dreams and notions of success can be and how complicated when you, when you mix the story with the goal, it becomes a very complicated endeavor. Um, here's, here's, here, let, let me ask you this. So as you sit here tonight, as you sit here right now, and you had to identify one thing in you, not about you, because that's different, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know what there is? I'm assuming that, that the things about you are decent and in order. You, seem, you have a good heart. You seem to be a good person. So it's not about you. But what are the things in you? What's that one thing in you that keeps getting in the way? Well, right now, I feel like I've been beating myself up about being too lazy. So laziness, is that something that, that's not, that's in me? Mm. I, I'll, I'll accept that and just put it another way. And you tell me if you agree. Okay. Because the other way that I would say it is, sometimes your sense of self gets in the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, no, that's important. So, so. What would you say if I told you, and, I, and I'm just, I'm just, you and I just talking, we, you know, we're favorite cousins. You're my favorite yeah. cousin. I'm your favorite cousins. We're not really mm -hmm. cousins people, but, you know. <laughs> what would you say if I told you that if you, if you made adjustments to that and had transformation in that area, your life would literally go to another level? Then I would do things to change it, to get to the other level. And then what would you say if I told you that this is entirely fixable. <laughs> Self-perception is one of the most basic, if not one of the, and I won't say the easiest, but it's one of the most conducive things about us that we can fix. Would that excite you? Absolutely, and I okay. would say, show me the trip, show me the I, road. I was just about to say, and, now, <laughs> and now, now let's start to do the work, because All here right. it is. There is, there's probably something, a story, a narrative, that you tell that you say rather about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And it comes from something you said earlier. I asked you about failure. 
and you said that you've experienced failure so many times, right? That what happens? So you, you've experienced failure a lot of times, and when you fail the next time, what normally happens emotionally, psychologically? What do you say to yourself? Well, there's two things. Immediately, I, I kind of let myself feel whatever the natural feeling is that comes, and I kind of go past that. But then I tend to have these thoughts in my head or conversations and say, well, you made it past the last one, or somehow things worked out after that failure. You're still here. You might as well get on back up and realize it can, you can still get through this like you got through the last thing. I don't believe um, that. <laughs> you don't believe that? No. Oh, my God. And I'll tell I you really why. Look, no, okay. Here, hear me out. Hear me out. I don't believe it because you said earlier, and I'm a very good listener. This is what I do. You said earlier mm -hmm. that a part of what happens is that you start to wonder, is it worth it? You start to wonder, why can't they see it? You start to wonder, is it, you know, what's the problem? So I'm not saying that you don't ultimately get through what you just said, but I bet you all the money in your pocket against all the money in my pocket that you start with the what's wrong with it? What's okay. wrong with me? Yes. Yes? yes. That's, okay. That's what I said. I want to start with, like, the feelings that come. All those okay. questions of feelings, I start with it. I let that live, and I don't try to push past it or act like I'm not feeling those things. And then... Oh, hold, on, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because people oh, love yeah. to rush to the resurrection. They don't want to be uh -huh. crucified. <laughs> so, 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 but, but the feelings are what? Inadequacy, frustration, anger. Those are the feelings? Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. And it's important that we name them. It's important that we put them out there. Because okay. what I want you to understand is that failure... And the reason people don't either sign on or slam doors in your face or don't understand what you're doing, it's not always about you. And there's a reason. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to join in you, join in with you on this, okay? Because there was a stage in my life when I hit failure, I immediately thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with what I'm trying to do? Like, you follow what I'm saying? My immediate thought was to question me. Not to question the tastes or the standards of the people who were so-called rejecting me. It's not until I grew a little and learned a little, died a little, came back from the dead a little, that I realized the first thing I should question isn't me. When you slam the door in my face, you don't know what you're keeping out on the other side. And it's not until I had a sense of what, of what they were rejecting that I stopped saying, What's wrong with me? And started saying, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this quote to you, and you tell me what, 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 what it makes you think of. And it's not my quote, but it's, a, but it's a great quote. People who are dancing will always look crazy to people who cannot hear the music. And, my, and your question to me is what, is, what is, what do I get from that? Yes. Um... Um, they're missing out. They're missing out on this thing because they don't have all the, the pieces together because they don't know what's going on. They don't actually, they can't actually experience this amazing moment the way that it's supposed to be. Yes, absolutely. And I want you to get one more thing. That quote applies to you. You are dancing and they can't hear the music. It doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you inadequate. It just means that you operate on another level. It just means that you're chasing after something that they don't understand. And from now on, from this moment forward, I want you to experience failure not as something wrong with you, but something wrong with the world that you were born into. And, to, and for you not to condemn yourself for what the world doesn't understand. As long as you have good intentions, as long as you're trying to do good and help people, as long as you're trying to be yourself authentically, as long as you're trying to tell the truth and live the truth, as long as you're trying to love, then whatever you offer out of that, if somebody rejects it, it's not your failure. It's not your fault and it's not your problem. And I don't know where it is in your life, I know where it is in mine, I don't know where it is in your life you, you learned that failure is an indictment and a condemnation. Because it's not. The inability of some people to receive you might be life's way of protecting you 
from giving the best of you to people who can't handle it. It might be life's way of saying to you, you failed in an area that would have killed you. So is that a failure? <laughs> people rejected you. No, it's not. It's not failure at all. As long as you get to where you're trying to go eventually, and as long as you get there with enough self-respect and dignity and still loving yourself, you'll be all right. So the only thing I want to do with you, the only, the only thing I want us to walk away from this moment having is a different sense of how to experience failure. The next time you fail, I want you to say something different to yourself and, and have it not be about being frustrated or rejected or any of that. The next time you, you are rejected or experience failure, I want you to say this to yourself. They can't hear the music. Mm. Heard. Mm. They can't hear the music. And I want you, what'd you say? Say that. That's easy. Yeah. And, and, so, and so I want you to apply it to every, every area of your life. Relationships, friendships, your professional life, what you're trying to do in terms of being a connector, bringing people together. If folks can't buy into it, it's just because they can't hear the music. That's all. That's a great. That's a great way to cope with it, with it in the very in the moment. I will say a challenge to me is that it's like, well, if nobody hears the music, then I'm just out here dancing by myself. Yeah. For life, you know. No, but but life, life. That's not that's not the way of life and love. That's not the universe that I believe in. It's never going to be the case. It's never going to be the case that nobody will hear the music. That's a lie. Fresh out the pit of hell. Mm -hmm. No, it's look at me. It's never going to be the case that nobody can hear your music. Somebody will hear it and they will dance with you too. Somebody will hear what your heart is saying and they will love and care about what you care about enough to go out on the dance floor with you. I see your face changing. That's what I wanted right there. That's it. Tell me what you're feeling. Hey, come on here to cry. <laughs> um, Tell me what you, just, no, 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 no. Tell me what you're feeling. Um, it, it obviously transcends beyond the initial conversation, but it's just about life in general, just things not, um, you know, coming together and then maybe whether, like you say, relationships or. No, no, no. You're giving me story. Or... You're giving me stories. You're fighting. Don't fight me. Tell me what you're no. feeling. I'm I'm believing you. I'm actually feeling hopeful about what you just said. Because sometimes, like I said before, it feels like if I'm just dancing and nobody's hearing the music, at what point is somebody gonna hear the music? You yeah. know, at what, at what point am I gonna be dead and gone before they turn the music up? Yeah. You know, like yeah. what is that gonna look like? So Yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 I feel that. Feel no, I feel you on that. And I promise you that you don't live in a world where your creator's gonna let that happen to you. You won't be dancing by yourself for the rest of your life. I promise you. Yeah. I like I you, Jerry. I like you. Yeah, yeah, this was good. This was good. Listen, man, thank you for this. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Who knew this was about to happen? Ain't got no napkins, no fishes, or nothing. I wasn't ready. It's all right. We, we about to take a break anyway. Thank you for being on. And um, just remember what we've talked about tonight, all right? And I believe in your future, and I believe in you, and uh, I'm going to keep you in my prayers, and you are going to win. How about that? Listen, everybody, we'll be right back. A bunch of aha moments that I had from this conversation. We're going to talk about it on the other side. Right? Welcome back, everybody. So, wow, right? That conversation ended far differently than it started. And uh, I got an aha moment. Highly played a bumper. Here's what, I, here's what I learned from that, and I'm grateful for Jeremy to, to be my teacher tonight, to be all of our teachers tonight. And that is this, and th what I mean by that is sometimes you can be so disappointed and so hurt that hope is painful, that you don't want to hope, you don't want to believe. Like, you want to, you'll find just thinking it's not going to work out, this is how it's going to be, nobody's ever going to hear the music. And then to hear someone say to you, in tones that are hopeful and inspirational and beckoning toward a brighter and better future, it speaks to us, even if we try to resist it. Because at our core, we want to be hopeful. We want to believe. We just need somebody sometimes 
to use a biblical analogy, to carry the cross for us. Because sometimes we get too weak to carry it ourselves. I think Jeremy's going to be fine, just like I think you're going to be fine. Just like I think I'm going to be fine. But every now and then, you need something like the book of Sean. You need something to come along that says to you, you're going to be all right. It's not going to end like this. This is not the end of you. And before it's all over, you're going to reach your goal. If you are willing to tell a different story and to think a different thought. See, my, my aha moment from that is that you need folks who know how to speak to your spirit when your mind keeps getting in the way. All right. Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Highly play the bumper. You guys always send me amazing videos, and this one is no different. Let's take a look at it. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Ike. I'm a Louisiana native living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I have a question for you. So, I've been dating someone for three months. Do you think it's too soon to invite them to my family's Christmas party? Great question. There are a lot of people out in the world asking that question right now. <laughs> Christmas is at the end of the week, and uh, so a lot of people are trying to make this adjudication and this decision. Let me help you people. If the relationship that you're in, no matter how long it's been, three months, three years, whatever it's been, is superficial and not one rooted in something substantive and about longevity, then you don't bring those kind of people around your family. If it's just about sex or just about, you know, whatever, whatever could be superficial and shallow in your world, those aren't the people you bring to your family. Those aren't the kind of people that, that you expose your family to nor do you want them, you know, to be exposed to your family. See, the key is, if the relationship is substantive, if it's going somewhere, if you have genuine feelings, and if the relationship is of a quality, that it's ready to be exposed to the people who constitute your family, then go on and do it. There's no timetable for it. I, I would say anything less than a month would be way too soon. But after that, it's about the relationship. It's also about your family, by the way, because you know how they are. And if they are the kinds of people who are real tough on people and hard on people, or if they're messy, if there's a real lot of drama, they can be real dramatic, then you might not want to bring somebody around too soon. But again, that depends on the person that you're dating, and it depends on the quality of the relationship. And you know that better than anybody. You know this other person, and you know what y'all have to get together. And based upon that, you make the decision on who you want to expose them to and how. Because bringing somebody around your family on Christmas says this is serious. It's Christmas. <laughs> you don't just bring random people around your family on Christmas. It's got to be somebody who really means something. Okay? You bring random people to the 4th of July. <laughs> That's when you bring, you bring your sneaky links to the 4th of July. You bring your real relationship <laughs> to Christmas. That's the time of the year when people are hopefully at their best and hopefully rooted and grounded in something significant like family. Yeah, good luck with that. All right, let me at least read this question. I might answer it on the other side. So someone emailed me this. My boyfriend... My brother-in-law, I got boyfriend stuck in the head. My brother-in-law is having its bachelor party at a strip club, and my husband wants to go. I told him that he couldn't go because married men have no business going to strip club. Was I wrong? Well, yes, you were. <laughs> you were wrong, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm not in the habit of thinking it's a good idea for grown people to tell other grown people what they can and cannot do. A good way to make somebody want to do something is to tell them that they can't do it. A better way to say it is, I'm uncomfortable with this. This really puts me at dis-ease. But to kind of give people an ultimatum and think that you have the right or the power, even if you're married to them, to tell somebody what they can't do, never a recipe for success. But here's the other thing. It's a bachelor party at a strip club. It's a bachelor party. Now, whether they have it, whether they have this bachelor party in the basement of a 
I don't know, uh, wherever. There's still gonna be some strippers there. <laughs> it's a bachelor party. And I happen to think that if your marriage cannot survive one night of your husband celebrating somebody else's bachelor party in the stripper club, if your, if your marriage cannot survive one night of that, then it's not a strong marriage to begin with. How about instead of telling the man what he can't do, how about you reaffirm your commitment to each other so you feel a lot, at least more comfortable, or as comfortable as you can, going into this? I, I, I don't think we should automatically assume that people are not worthy of our trust just because they are surrounded by people who are not trustworthy. You need to know who your husband is, and he needs to know what it is you hope and expect. And then the two of you have to do the hard work of love, which is trusting each other. Sure, on the whole, maybe it's a good idea that married men not be in strip clubs regularly, but this isn't a regular thing for him. He's going to celebrate a bachelor party. How about we not make it more than what it is? How about you not load yourself up with all of the feelings and the anxieties and the fears? How about you not tell yourself all the things that's going to go wrong and spend that energy telling him what he means to you, why you value him, and why your commitment to him makes you strong, and why his commitment to you makes this marriage worth the trouble of being together. Stop telling people what you don't want. Stop telling people what you fear. Tell them what you hope for and see how that works out. Anyway, let's take a break. We're back with more Ask Dr. Sean. That's me. Welcome back, everybody. During the break, I was thinking about our, our guest tonight and how much pe people really fight crying on this show. They really do. But, um, man, that's what the heart wants to do. Let it do it. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. All right, let's do some more Ask Dr. Sean. Got another video. Take a look at this one. Hey, Dr. Sean. My name is Monique from Atlanta. I need some advice. So I spent Thanksgiving with my family, and I overheard them talking about me badly. So I was invited to come back for Christmas. So should I confront them, or should I not go? What do you think? Great question. The reality is you can't keep running from the people that hurt you. At some point, you're going to have to take a stand. And at some point, you're going to have to stand up for yourself. I think you definitely go. And I think you go this time with more of a sense of, of your worth, your value, and your unwillingness to, be t to overhear somebody talking about you and not say something in the moment. Because um, the truth of the matter is, as, as someone said here at the show, it was just your turn. <laughs> Highly said that. It, it, it was just your turn. Because families are always talking about each other. And I'm sure you'll be in the kitchen at Christmas talking about somebody too. It's just, it's what family, it's, it's how families work, okay? I'm a part of one. And at some point, everybody's talking about somebody. It was just your turn. I wouldn't take it to be something, you know, totally incredulous or ridiculous. But I would say something if I overheard it, and I would practice the, 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 the principle and the practice of standing up for myself instead of letting people know, wait a minute now, mm -mm. if you're going to talk about me, talk about me to my face so at least I can defend myself or at least explain myself in a way that helps you understand who I am. The worst thing you can do is just stay home and I'm not going to deal with them. No, you can't keep running from people that hurt you because it will become a habit and you'll find yourself running from things that ain't even chasing you. Somebody just say boo and you take off running. I want somebody to be able to say boo and you sit down and look at them and you tell them you're gonna have to do a lot better than that to chase me away from, what, from the things that mean the most to me. I don't run. I don't tuck my tail between my legs. I don't bow my head. I don't scratch if I ain't itching. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And if you don't like it, then guess who has to change? Not me. <laughs> That's what I want for you. All right? So you go to Christmas and enjoy yourself. All right? They're your family. They got issues, clearly. But, you know, and you love somebody who gets on your nerves. I leave it for you, the answer. All right. So someone DM'd me this question. 
cheated on my wife a year ago. Instead of getting a divorce, we decided to have an open marriage. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We have one rule. We are never to talk about who the other person is dating. But now I regret agreeing to this because she seems happy with our arrangement. How can I tell her that I made a mistake? We need to work on being committed to each other. Okay. First of all, sir, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. No, you're the one that cheated. You're the one that changed the terms. First you cheated, then you invited open marriage, and then she took you up on the offer. Now she's enjoying the open marriage, and now you're upset about the fact that she's enjoying it. And you're only saying that you want to work things out, not because you want to work things out, but because you don't want her to enjoy being with somebody else. That's selfish. That's narcissistic. Yes, it is. And the narcissism began long before she started enjoying being with somebody else. It began the moment you decided to cheat. The moment you decided to disregard your vows, your sense of loyalty and commitment. The moment you decided that that, that sexual encounter meant more to you than how your wife would feel about it. Or even how you would feel about yourself if you were ready to be honest with yourself about what it is you had done. You only think about you. You do. And the sooner you admit that, the better off you're going to be. Now, clearly you should not have invited your wife to have an open marriage. Clearly the two of you ain't ready for that. Some people can handle that. Some people can do it well. You two can't do it. Well, your wife apparently can do it because she's enjoying herself. But now you're realizing that, oh, I made a mistake. No, can I say something you might, you might not like? The mistake was getting married before you are mature enough to handle what being married means and takes. The mistake was convincing somebody to marry you without getting yourself under control long enough or sufficient enough not to cheat on them. The mistake was to think that you could patch over your mistake with a new arrangement called an open situation. And the mistake was underestimating your wife's propensity and capacity to adjust, transform, and overcome. You thought you would be the one having all the fun, and you thought you would be the one enjoying all of this, and you thought you were getting it, and you were just having your party, only to discover that the woman that you marry is a lot more flexible with dexterity and capacity for transformation than you really understood. And so what you thought would humiliate and break her has empowered her to find pleasure and a little bit of joy in spite of your craziness. I'm not into open marriages. I told y'all that. I'm not into open relationships. I couldn't be in one. I'm too selfish. I want you all to myself. But this is about you. And what I need you to understand is that don't try to invite somebody back into something when you don't really want them there. Maybe this is a chance for you to really understand and to decide if you want to be married at all. Because wanting somebody simply because they now want somebody else ends up being not wanting them at all. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with Here's What Doesn't Make Sense right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So we do a little segment here at the show called Here's What Doesn't Make Sense. Play the bumper, Holly. So this is one of the most ridiculous and tragic stories that I've ever heard. Nothing about this story makes sense. Absolutely nothing. Thomas Lee Rutledge was a 44-year-old inmate in the Alabama prison system, and he was literally cooked to death in his prison cell. On December 7, 2020, Thomas Lee Rutledge died of hyperthermia in a mental health ward at the William E. Donaldson Correctional Facility in Bessemer, Alabama. The lawsuit claims that Rutledge overheated in his cell 
and that the death was caused by the neglect of the staff failing to fix the heating system and also failing to properly care for inmates living in scorching hot conditions. On December 7th, Thomas Lee Rutledge was found unresponsive in his cell with a body temperature of 109 degrees and in a cell that was well over 100 degrees itself. So the cell is over 100 degrees and he has a body temperature of 109 degrees and he died because the body can't take that kind of heat. And yet the state of Alabama has the nerve, the unmitigated gall to dispute the Justice Department's claim that prisons in Alabama are fundamentally unconstitutional. I don't live in Alabama. Quite frankly, I don't think I'll ever live in Alabama. It's not my kind of place. Some places on the earth are too thoroughly rooted in anti-blackness for me to have the wherewithal all the time to live there and try to change them. Alabama's not for me. Maybe you like it, I'm all for it. I ain't going there. But when you think about somebody in a prison in Alabama dying because they cooked to death, Come on, Alabama. See, what bothers me about this story is that nobody in that prison, nobody in that entire institution could see the humanity of this man or any of these prisoners enough to care about the fact that they might cook to death in their cell. Nobody cared because when you're guilty in this country, your humanity goes out the window. So you're, you know, you know, let the heat do what the state should have done. That's the whole, I bet a lot of people are probably, no, no. Just because somebody is guilty of something does not mean that they stop being human. Because of the, the truth of the matter is, none of us are completely innocent. We all got a little guilt in us somewhere. And if you deserve self-respect and dignity, dignity rather, and you do, and if I deserve self-respect and dignity, and I do, so do prisoners. None of them should die in their cells from being cooked because nobody just thought it was a good idea to shut off the heat on one of the hottest days of the year. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, ironically, this happened in a prison. And clearly there's somebody in this institution who needs to be arrested because... If a prisoner can cook to death in their cell, there's something about this country. All right. I found this next one. I thought you might like this because I have a very strong opinion about this. So apparently the European Commission has issued a decision which will allow airlines to offer passengers the opportunity to make phone calls on flights. Yes. The bulk of this story has something to do with 5G network and how the Europeans are more comfortable with the 5G network than the airline officials here in this country happens to be. But I don't want to talk about no 5G network. Doesn't interest me at all. What I want to talk about is how I'm praying the Federal Aviation Administration does not let people start making phone calls on airplanes in America. If the Europeans want people to talk on planes in Berlin and London and Paris and Brussels, be my guest. Maybe Europeans can talk quieter and have more respect in conversation than Americans can. But I'm telling you right now, Americans cannot handle making phone calls on planes. Just the other day I was somewhere sitting outside. Somebody was on their phone sitting next to me talking so incredulously loud. It was so unbearable that at some point I just looked at him and said, that's really loud. And like, thankfully, I was sitting next to somebody that wasn't aware of it. They had a good soul, and they were like, oh, I'm sorry. Can you imagine flying on a flight from L.A. to New York or L.A. to Miami or Miami to Seattle with the plane, the entire plane, talking on the phone? I know they make headphones that drown out the sound, but there's not a headphone in the world that can drown out that much talking. I'm just trying to tell you, I hope it's never the case that people are allowed to make phone calls on airplanes in this country. If you want to talk to somebody while you're on an airplane, here's what you should do. Text. <laughs> okay? Text. And it's probably going to be a bunch of old people talking on the phone, by the way, because young people don't talk on the phone. They text. There's going to be a bunch of old people who can't hear well hollering and screaming into the phone. 
See, one of the best things about flying on an airplane is how quiet it is. One of the best parts of flying is the fact that you don't have to deal with all the rigmarole and the noise that you hear on the ground. And now you're going to bring that up into the air? I'm trying to watch a movie and I got to hear about, you know, I don't know. <laughs> God only knows what people are going to be talking about on the airplane. I don't want to hear your conversation and, and it's too small. Listen, if the Federal Aviation Administration is watching, you watching, don't let this happen in this country, okay? Americans can't handle it. Anyway, I'm going to make a prediction. If the FAA decides to do this, they're going to reverse themselves in short order because it's going to be a mess. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I hope you enjoyed my guests in the conversation, and I hope you understand something that we all learn from him and that we can all learn from each other. Let your heart talk. Let your heart speak. Don't be afraid to admit the things, not that you are afraid of, but the things you actually hope for. Sometimes inspiration and motivation, that's what we need to get to the next level. It's what we need to get to the day. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next time. Y'all be good to each other. I love you. If you are looking for the highest level of Lincoln luxury, look no further than Woodhouse Lincoln, Nebraska's exclusive Lincoln Black Label dealer. With advantages that extend beyond the driver's seat, your Lincoln Black Label SUV will be immersed in innovative technologies, luxurious interior amenities, and effortless maintenance. With Lincoln pickup and delivery, our knowledgeable sales team will curate the Lincoln SUV fit for your lifestyle. Explore the four Lincoln Black Label themes and view our inventory online at woodhouselincoln.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.